it hurts me so much that there are parents who, because they have tough kids, feel like they're failing. And you can do everything, quote, right, and your kid will still be tough, right? It doesn't mean that you can't make improvements or make things easier, but a parenting book that tells you this is not going to make your kid easy overnight. Is your child's challenging behavior leaving you feeling exhausted, defeated, and hopeless? You are not alone. And I want you to know you are not a failure and your child is not broken. Welcome to Calm the Chaos Parenting, the podcast for parents raising strong-willed, highly sensitive, or neurodivergent children. I'm Dana Abraham, parenting expert, and I have helped hundreds of thousands of families just like yours. Each week, I'll share simple science-backed solutions to help you feel more grounded, in tune, and deeply connected to your child, no matter what challenge you face. Start your journey from surviving to thriving as a family at CalmTheChaosPodcast.com. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you, but you are connecting with your kid, you're remaining calm, you're doing all the things that the parenting experts tell you to do, and yet it doesn't seem to work for your kid. Your kid seems to be the exception to the rule. Well, if that is you, you are going to absolutely love today's podcast. Now, I know on this podcast, we talk all about being that exception to the rule, but today's podcast is specifically about how to use peaceful parenting with complex kids. And so I'm so excited to invite in an expert in this subject, the one and only Sarah Rosensweet. So welcome, Sarah. Hi, Dana. Thanks for having me. Oh, of course. Now, Sarah is a certified peaceful parenting coach, speaker, and educator, and the founder of Reimagining Peaceful Parenting. And I'm so excited to chat with Sarah today because she has got an amazing summit coming up soon where she has invited experts from around the world who work with complex kids. And she has been asking them all sorts of questions and and getting the nitty gritty on how to help parents parent these kids and have a better relationship with them. So Sarah, I'm so excited to kind of dig into this, but before we really get into some of the ahas and insights you're getting, um, can we kind of back up and pretend like we know nothing about what peaceful parenting is? Um, because I know that at one point there was a point in my life where I didn't know what it was. So can you tell us a little bit about what is peaceful parenting and how do you describe it in, you know, the parent with the parents you're working with? Absolutely. So we think of peaceful parenting as having three big ideas. The first big idea is a focus on parental self-regulation. And I want to be clear, that doesn't mean that we don't get upset, right? Because we're human, things happen, we're stressed, like our kids are being annoying, or like whatever. Of course, we're going to get upset sometimes. But what it means is that we try to learn how we try to learn what our triggers are. We try to learn how to calm ourselves either after we've started to get upset or when we know things are going to be hard. So it's really just becoming aware of our own emotions and what we can do to try to bring ourselves back to calm because we know that co-regulation is so important for um, for being with kids who are who are having a hard time. If we can't stay calm, the parenting experts could give you 25 tricks on how to get out the door in the morning. But if you can't stay calm, like none of those things are going to help you. So that's the first big idea. The second big idea is um, a focus on connection and the relationship. 
connection in the relationship. And I know this really intimately now because my kids are older. My youngest is 16 and my oldest got 19 and 22 after that. And so I've really seen how that connection in the relationship becomes more and more important as kids get older because you can't just like pick them up and move them somewhere anymore, right? And the relationship is really the only true influence we have with another person, right? Whether it's your child or your friend or your boss or whatever, right? Like your only true influence with somebody else is is that mutual um, respect and understanding and relationship. So we really focus heavily on building that sweet connection and building that relationship with our child. And then the third and final big idea is kind firm limits without punishment. So we don't believe in timeouts. We don't do, you know, if you don't do this, you're not getting the iPad today. Um, And we also are really, really intentional. And and you and I um, talk about this in the summit. Um, Dana, Dana didn't mention this, but she's one of my guest experts in the summit. And we talked about limits and how limits are really, you know, they're important. It's important to have limits, but we're super intentional about the limits that we set. And we really try, unless it's a health and safety issue, we really try not to use power over kids. Um, but we try to, um, you know, do like a teamwork approach so that we're not using power over kids. So that's, that's peaceful parenting. I love that so much. And, you know, you were really passionate about creating this summit because it kind of steps a little beyond what your scope is. Can you tell me what you mean by complex kids? And and then after that, why you felt the need to really pull these experts together yeah. um, for the summit? Yeah. So over, I've been a parenting coach for 10 years. And over the course of my work as a parenting coach, I've seen that there are people who have, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'm totally making up these numbers, but I, I sort of talk about the 20% and the 80%, like the 80% of kids, you can say like, Hey, go put your shoes on. And they just like, go put their shoes on. And they're waiting by the door when you're ready to leave for school. Right. And then the 20% of kids, um, you know, the parents of those 20% would be laughing right now, like, ah, right. (laughs) And, and so we have kids in that 20% that are, and again, this is just my, my rough guess based on my work, but, um, and, and the fact that when I go to like a cocktail party and I tell people that I'm a parenting coach and sometimes they look at me like I have two heads, like, why would anyone ever need a parenting coach, right? <laughs> they must have those kids in the 80%. Um, but those 20% of kids who are calling complex kids, um, and they are possibly neurodivergent, strong-willed, sensitive, spirited kids, right? I call them in my community, I call them the kids who are more or extra. Um, but I realized outside of my community, that doesn't mean much. So we kind of came up with complex. Um, but really those kids that you need to be intentional about parenting. Like they're the parents of these kids are the ones who are are in your community, in my community. They are the ones who have to really think about think about this stuff and work at parenting. It's it's not just like, you know, someone called it. I'm not skipping through the daisies with my child. Like it feels like everybody else is. Yeah. So the reason why I created this summit was because more and more I was hearing from people. Well. It doesn't work for me like it says in the books. And actually, I know that's why you wrote your book, because there are so many parenting books out there that just talk about, um, you know, if you empathize. And it's funny, I was just taking taping a podcast with somebody before uh, a coaching podcast with somebody before your call. And she was saying, well, I empathize with my child and, and he just says, shut up, or he just ignores me and I must be doing it wrong. And I was like, no, it doesn't, you you know, let's talk about if you're doing it wrong, but it doesn't mean that you're not empathizing just because you're not getting the reaction 
that the book says that mm-hmm. she's she's supposed to melt into your arms after you empathize and cry, right? So that's why I put this summit together because I felt like parents were feeling like because it wasn't work, working like it's supposed to in the books, they felt like a failure, right? Mm-hmm. They felt like it's not working for me. If I, there must be something wrong with me. There must mm-hmm. be something. I'm getting like emotional talking about that because I, oh, it hurts. It hurts me so much that there are parents who, because they have tough kids, feel like they're failing, right? And you can do everything quote right, and your kid will still be tough, right? It doesn't mean that you can't make improvements or make things easier, but a parenting book that, that tells you this is not going to make your kid easy overnight, right? So I wanted to bring together all these experts in different areas um, and just talk to them about how we can use, you know, peaceful parenting, cousin of responsive parenting, conscious parenting, positive parenting, gentle parenting, but how we don't need to use conventional um, reward punishment parenting with these kinds of kids. Like we can still do this conscious responsive parenting with kids who are tough. Ooh, that was a long answer to your question. No, but it was such a good one. And it's so funny because you were talking about that 80-20. And I was like, you know, in my community and for my listeners, I have a feeling everyone listening to this is like, um, I'm pretty sure I'm in that 20%, which would mean that my numbers are very skewed. Um, and I live in a world where it's probably 95-5. 95, we have kids that are out, I call them out of the box or challenging, um, complex. They are more than, um, they need more than what the books say. They um, need us to approach things in a different way. And then when we hear stories of the 5%, we're like, wait, you get to live life that way? Like, I don't even understand, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's just because we've built this community knowing that we're not alone anymore. But when I first started 10 years ago, like you said, everything was about positive parenting, peaceful parenting. And, you know, and that's how I found your work and we became good friends is because I wanted so badly to to empathize and to do special time and to you know do all of these things but it just it it did not work because my kid had these these other things that they needed from me and they needed me to approach it from a different angle. So I'm so glad that you're doing this and um and I want everyone to know when I talk about um in my book I do talk about peaceful parenting, respectful parenting, responsive parenting, conscious parenting, all the different things. And like, I think we kind of are focusing on the wrong thing. It's not the type of parenting, but like the name of the parenting, but it's how we show up and who we are for our kids. And, and I'm not downplaying any of these other methodologies or philosophies. They all have so many good things that we can take from them. And there's so much science behind the connection that you talked about, that staying calm, like you talked about, and having some structure and systems in place. That's what we call the limits that you're talking about. And we talk more about that in the summit. So mm-hmm. so I'm so excited that we're coming together because I think when we come together, we can do so much more for the families out there. And it doesn't have to feel so divisive. It doesn't have to feel like, well, I can't do peaceful parenting. Well, I can't do positive parenting. Well, I can't do conscious parenting, right? Because I have a kid who's out of the box or doesn't fit the mold. And it's like, no, you can adapt a lot of these things because they're based in really good practices and science. So I just yeah, wanted to we, say what that. What we always say is that sometimes peaceful parenting is not enough. It's always mm-hmm. where we start right? It's always where we start and we never throw away those tools. But if you have a complex kid, you need to add more things in, 
right? Yeah. So it's not that peaceful parent, like some, someone will say, like I heard someone, I saw someone in an ADHD group saying, oh, peaceful parenting didn't work for my kid. Well, if you have a kid with ADHD, it's not the peaceful parenting doesn't work, but you also need a lot other, you need other supports, mm -hmm. right? You need other forms of structure and other strategies that will help you with your ADHD kid. But it's not like, oh, well, I have to use rewards and punishment because my kid has ADHD, right? Yeah. And I think that's where we really want to focus is like, it's not that peaceful parenting didn't work or positive parenting doesn't work. Um, it's that rewards and punishments don't work. Consequences yeah. don't work. Taking things away, isolating kids doesn't work. And especially with our kids who are more attuned to our emotions, especially our kids who are more aware of their own autonomy and they are pushing for that autonomy, um, it's it, they're going to need us to approach it differently. Um, but we still need that foundation of we are regulated ourselves. We are connected and it's more than just playing. It's like on a deep level, truly accepting our kid. And that's what I found over the years, people coming to us from, you know, your program and other programs and getting success from, from that sort of stuff, but then saying, but I did one-on-one -on -one time and I did this, but then in the same sentence, they're saying, but my kid is so bratty. Or my mm -hmm. kid is the worst. And I'm like, okay, well, that's part of peaceful parenting too. Like no one in peaceful parenting wants you to see your kid as a brat or disrespectful. It's all about seeing what's under the surface as well. So that understanding piece is so incredibly important. But that's that, such a huge mindset yeah. shift, isn't it? That It um, is. And it's so much more important when your kid doesn't, doesn't beat the drum of everybody else um, because you're, you're, it's in your face more. You're seeing it more. You're noticing it more. So then it's so much easier to have that resentment, that frustration until you finally accept, hey, this is the kid I have. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, how can I make these, these strategies work for me? Yeah. And so the mindset shift that I always talk to parents about is really remembering that your kid wants to be good right? Mm -hmm. Like nobody wants, I say this all the time, nobody wants to be a jerk, right? Like your kids just, they might be acting, you know, I'm just going to, you know, I don't mean that I think kids are really jerks. They might be acting like jerks because they're dysregulated or, you know, they're just having a really hard time about something, but that's because they're having a hard time, right? Mm -hmm. It's because they're dysregulated. They don't, they don't actually want to be a jerk. And I find that Nobody can really do this work. I don't know if you find this, Dana, but unless they absolutely really believe that their kid wants to be good, it's really hard for anyone to make the shift to do this work. It's one of the very first things is getting that and then diving into, and I think that's where a lot of, that's one of the things we're going to talk about today, but a lot of your experts probably talked about that perspective shift of having to see their kids differently, because the more that we want our kids to be the kid who's going to go off to college, the kid who's going to get straight A's, the kid who's going to wake up, get ready for themselves and get out the door on their own, the more frustrated and resentful we are going to become. So that perspective shift has to be a huge piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite interviews uh, in terms of like doing that mindset shift. Well, there's so many. I really liked, I talked to Iris Chen about, do you know Iris? Is she untigering? Untigering. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have not. I don't know her yet, but I love her work. Yeah. No, she's great. We talked about strong-willed kids. Mm -hmm. um, and we really, it's funny because at the end of the interview, um, I said, we didn't cover anything about like tips or strategies of like, how to get your strong-willed kid to take a bath. And I realized that was so beautiful because what we really talked about is a mindset shift 
from mm-hmm. working with your strong-willed kid, right? Mm-hmm. Like working with them and seeing them as autonomous and seeing them as deserving of respect and really like shifting the our mindset to that, what I mentioned in the beginning, that power with instead of power over. And I just loved that, that it turned out to be just this whole like, like, let's zoom out here and talk about mm-hmm. like what kind of mindset shift we need to have when we have a kid whose autonomy is, and we can talk, say strong-willed kids, we can say kids who, you know, who are demand avoidant, like, you know, whatever it is, but like really just changing, not changing that, um, you know, Alfie Cohn says, um, not doing two kids, but working with them, right? Dana here, and guess what? My book, Calm the Chaos, has officially launched. So if you enjoy the podcast and find the stuff we're sharing valuable, I'm 100% sure you're going to love the book. You can get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you use this link, you'll also get some special bonuses. So once again, the link is calmthechaosbook.com. Thanks. I hope you're enjoying the show. You know, we've talked about why you're passionate. We've talked about what peaceful parenting is. We've talked about what you mean by complex kids. So now that we kind of have that and you've kind of started already, we've kind of started delving into some of the biggest takeaways and ahas. And those of you that listen to the podcast, you know that we have, you know, we base everything we do off of our Calm the Chaos framework and roadmap. And one of the things that I really enjoy doing is simplifying all the information that's out there. And so what I am going to aim to do today is ask Sarah questions that follow our framework, the mindset, the you piece, connection, understanding, empowerment, and see what are some of the biggest takeaways and ahas um, that she had as talking to all of these experts in the field so that when you go to this uh, summit that she's put together, you can start to organize the information in these little filing cabinets of, oh, that's mindset. Okay, that's connection. That's understanding. That's empowerment. I don't need to do all of this at once. I need a little bit of that mindset piece. I need to take what is the one piece of connection that I think is going to work really well with my kid? What is the 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 under the surface, the understanding, the science behind it that's going to help me with my child and my particular struggle? And then how can I empower myself? and my kid together. So um, as we work through the rest of this interview, as you're listening, I want you to kind of realize we're doing this bird's eye view and you're going to definitely want to check out the summit to get the full view of the whole thing. So um, you already started talking about it, Sarah. You started talking about the mindset with Irish Chen. So was there anything else? You and I talked about that too. And that, so I think that's, that is definitely a thread that goes through the um, through the summit is and through all of the interviews is just this idea of autonomy and power with rather than power over. But definitely Iris had some really, because she, what I love about the interview with Iris was that she came from authoritarian background. Mm-hmm. She was a, she, she, when she had her kids, she started out as a tiger mom. Like that was her full plan. Like she, she, she didn't think, oh, I'm going to do this differently than how I was raised. She full on was like, I'm going to do this exactly the same as how I, how I was raised. But the kid she got said, no, yeah. you're not going to do it like that. Right. So she had to find a different way because yeah. she was struggling with her kid. And so what I loved about talking about her was that she has totally like lived through this transformation of, um, which is very different than my story. Like my, my story is not like that at all. Um, but Iris's story is like, she lived through this transformation of really wanting power over her kids and, um, came to understand something completely different. And I just, I loved that. And I love that 
just that mindset shift of Mm -hmm. rather than I'm going to control these beings that live in my house, um, I'm going to like work with them. And you and I talked about that a lot too, when talking Mm -hmm. about limits, we live in a culture that is, that is really based on adult preferences and adult convenience. And so I think that the more we hear about, it doesn't have to be that way. Um, the better it is for everyone. And, and I'm, and, and I want to make it clear, we're not shifting to now it's all child centered preferences and convenience, right? We're, we, we're not flipping it. We're not flipping that old script. We're, we're like creating a totally new script. So, mm-hmm. so that's what I think was a really nice mindset shift that came out of the summit. Mm, I love that so much. And, you know, when I talk with parents, I know one of the biggest challenges for parents who are raising complex or challenging kids is the connection aspect. Um, they either feel like they've connected all all day, every day, and it never feels like enough. And then there's resentment. I talk about that in my book. Or they feel so overwhelmed trying to fit in this connection and this playtime. Was there anything that kind of came out from the different speakers of alternative ways to really connect with our kids when we're raising kids that might be harder to connect with? I thought about this question before we came on and and my answer is going to be a little slightly different than what you just asked me in terms of connection, because like, yes, I think there are like, you know, one of the things that we teach in our work is that connecting with neurodivergent kids, you mentioned special time is sometimes can look a little bit different because um, some neurodivergent kids, if you say I'm all yours for the next 20 minutes with this open-ended structure, they will have no idea what to do with that. (laughs) And they want to play a board game or they want to like, you know, they want something Mm -hmm. with more structure. So I think like remembering that we can shift that. But what I was going to say about connection um, is that sometimes our kids who are complex resist connecting in the way that we think that they should connect. Right. And so I think that we want, so Amanda Diekman of Load Man Amanda, do you know, do you know love Amanda? Amanda. Yeah, I love Amanda too. Friend. Yeah. She's one of my favorite people. Um, But she talked about, so let's just think of our idea of connection as a demand, right? Like I want to hug or I want to do this thing with you. And our child might not like physical contact, you know, even like you know, a hug or a snuggle. I know some parents feel like that's the way they like to connect. Mm -hmm. So if their child is resistant to that, they might feel like, well, what do we have left? Right. So Amanda really talks so much about looking for the need that's under the demand. So if you're, if you're realizing you want to hug because you want to feel connected to your child, but that's not how they connect, what else can you look at that can fill that need for connection? Like how, Mm -hmm. you know, how do they, show show love and affection and connection and how could something in there be something that you could feel connected to them right so sometimes connection is listening to um you know one of my kids he he's like a special interest guy and so for him connection was when he was littler like watching skateboard videos with him when he was like really into skateboarding and then it was like snowboard videos and then it was like baseball and you know whatever the things were like that was connection to him was like sharing mm-hmm. sharing his interests with me so i think we just need to um remember that connection again like this is a theme in our talk right now it doesn't always look like the books say it's going to look like, right? Yeah. So what does it feel like to you? What does it feel like to your kid? 
Yeah. And we just ran a podcast recently. Um, when, when this goes live, there will be, have been a podcast a couple of weeks ago by one of our students, Jen Beanie, who's been in our community forever. And she's got a 19 year old, she's got a 16 year old, um, I think a, a 10 and a six or something like seven. Um, and that was one of the big things she talks about is that, um, and sh- her 16 year old is adopted, was in the foster care system for a really long time. And so when we talk about complex kids, kids who have a lot of trauma in their background can also fit this description. Mm -hmm. And so her 16 year old had been in, um, seven, no, 12 placements in seven years. Wow. And so she had this wall up, um, to connection. She didn't unpack her bag for weeks because she just knew that she was going to get displaced again. Um, she pushed against any sort of connection, any bids for, um, for Jen trying to get in touch with her. And, and it really was this, like, I need to really listen to her body, listen to what she's telling me without telling me about how she likes to connect. And slowly the daughter started coming and just kind of uh, stroking her hair every once in a while. Then she started wanting to braid it. Then she started wanting to curl it. And that's how they connected. But her seven-year-old connects by talking about all the injustice in the school system and how <laughs> he wants to solve the bullying and create an anti-bullying program and like all these things. And she's like, you know, most parents would be like, you're seven, it's okay. Like, you know, you don't have to worry about this, but she's like, okay, this is how he wants to connect is to really research this and look into this and how can we solve this? And so I think it just drives home that point of we really do have to look at connection very differently. And I say, sometimes we have to, you know, sit and play Roblox. We have to um, sit in our teenager's room or we have to watch a TV show that we might not want to watch. Like my 16 year old, we watched Outer Banks together um, and then would talk about some of the things that would happen on Outer Banks. And, you know, his friends are now into this show that I had to turn off after 20 minutes. But the fact that his friends are into it and he's like, I've not watched it. Is it a show I should watch? And I was like, "Mm." I mean, I had to turn it off with 20 minutes. So I think if you want to watch it, let's sit together and like we can watch it together. But I also know it's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be uncomfortable scenes. And so if he watches it and I watch it, we then can talk about it. Um, So it doesn't mean that they have to sit and watch it together. Um, And so I love that you're bringing this up and that many of your experts were talking about connection being different than what we think it's going to look like. I'd love, yeah, and I love that you just mentioned the connecting with teenagers with shows because everyone always says like don't do screen time for connection, but oh my gosh, my daughter and I like we'll she's sixteen, we'll choose a series, um, and watch it together, and we're currently watching um, uh, the summer I turned pretty. I don't know if you've seen that or, or I haven't seen it. that one. Oh my gosh, we. <laughs> my husband was out on Friday night and we, we binge watched a couple of the shows and there was a really, I won't spoil it, but there's a really, really sad thing that happens. Mm, yeah. And we just sobbed in each other's arms. <laughs> we just sobbed in each other's arms for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and it was so, I mean, nobody likes to cry necessarily, but it was so wonderful. Like mm-hmm. it just felt so like we were so connected, you know, sharing yeah. this. Together. My daughter and I have shows that we watch. We have Dancing with the Stars that we started two years ago. We started watching it because Jojo Siwa was on there and that was like one of her favorite dancer singers. And then we got hooked. And so we're going into our third season. So I just got a news article today that said they've announced Dancing with the Stars 
people. So I'm going to then go to my daughter and be like, oh my gosh, do you know what I found out today? I found out that they've announced the Dancing mm-hmm. with the Stars dancers and who's going to be on the show this season. Do you want to look it up? We're going to look it up together. We're going to talk about it. We're going to guess who's going to be good and who's going to be silly and who's going to make it very far, right? We're going to talk about our favorite professionals. And then last summer, we got to go to Dancing with the Stars tour and we got to watch it in person. And we got to have like a whole day where we went and went to a special dinner and we went to Dancing with the Stars. She got to meet the stars. She got to ask questions. They answer, we went to the Q and A and they answered one of her questions. And so it goes far beyond just, we watch this show together. And so again, it's that it goes back to that, like what people say you should or shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's letting go of those shoulds and shouldn'ts and saying, okay, but what does my family need? Um, we teach something in our program called huddles, which is where you talk through problems and it's just a way of problem solving on a daily basis. And this one family of ours, um, I'll never forget the day she came to a coaching call. She said, my son, she she's autistic, and she's raising autistic children. And she said, my son said, if you ask me to do a huddle, I am disowning this family. She's like, I guess I can't do huddles. I can't talk to my kids. And then she, um, she was trying to sit at a table, make it formal, make it like, you know, go by the steps. And one day she realized that she could play video games and they could connect together through video games, and he would start talking about some of the problems. And so now, I mean, now they're much older, but one... Like it's very common for him to come to her and say, mom, can we have a huddle? And then they go get out the video games and they start playing video games. And then they start talking through some of the challenges or struggles that he's thinking about. I and love that. Most experts out there or like social media parenting coaches, you know, that we see, you know, like you'll see, don't do these things with your kids. And it's like, no, guys, if you're listening to this, we need you to hear like you can let go of the shoulds and shouldn'ts and and just follow those basic guidelines, that big why of am I building a strong, deep connection with my kid? Then, yeah, it doesn't matter what it looks like. Well, and you and I, I, I made a major public confession to you when we did our interview, which is that our family doesn't eat dinner together. Now I'm confessing it twice. Good. You know, here I am, a peaceful parenting coach, and I don't, my family doesn't eat dinner together. Um, but we spend, we do other things together, right? We mm-hmm. spend time connecting, doing other things, and we have other times of the day that we connect. And, and you know, I think some experts would be horrified that mm-hmm. we don't have family dinner, right? It just doesn't yeah. work for us. Like I talked about that, that like for me, I don't, you know, I know friends who they're like, oh no, um, her brother has a baseball game. She has to go to that. And for us, like, I don't require my kids to go to their, their siblings, you know, events because it's really hard for them. I mean, Mm -hmm. we went through lots of public meltdowns with my, uh, my oldest because it was too many sights and sounds and it was too unknown. He didn't know what was going to happen. And so, once we realized that we could give him those choices, you know, he finds other ways to connect with his sister. Yeah. And, yeah. and so I just, I love that we're talking about this. I think more and more parents need to hear this and knowing that it's kind of, um, it sounds weird for me to say this, but bleeding into the more well-known parenting strategies of peaceful parenting, positive parenting, things like that, conscious parenting these strategies that can help our kids when the the base level isn't working. Yeah. Um, well, I you just, you mentioned it. my company name, which is um, Reimagine Peaceful Parenting, right? 
Like that's why that's like, I want people to be able to reimagine what their lives could look like, but also Mm -hmm. reimagine what peaceful parenting can look like. One of the things that I find is missing for a lot of parents is the understanding piece. Now we, we have the base level understanding all behaviors, communication, there's something under the surface, look beneath the surface, but unless you have one of these complex kids who like don't fit any of the traditional parenting books, you're not going and looking for sensory information. You're not going to learn about trauma-informed practices. You're not going and trying to understand how they're perceiving things or demand avoidance or any of these different things. And so um, I know you have brought on some amazing experts. We were just talking about how you just got off with Stuart Shanker before this, you know, and so, and I know you talked to Amanda and she's, brilliant at this, but there's so much science now that we didn't have, even you and I 10 years ago, when we both started in this field, there's so much more science about why kids do what they do. Is there anything that has really stood out to you from your talks about the science and why some kids are more challenging than others or complex than others. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got Rachel and Jessica from Harkla who are talking with us about sensory stuff, sensory diets and sensory processing. And we've also got um, someone who talks with us about the nervous system. But I Mm -hmm. think the thing that stood out the most to me with all of the interviews so far is um, Dr. Stuart Shanker, who you just mentioned. And it is so wonderful. Like I I said to him um, in our interview, I said, you know, it's so great to hear that everything that we teach is a hundred percent backed by science. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, like this is, this is like the, since he said since the nineties, there's just been like this, it's like a train that's picking up speed in terms of like um, how the nervous system works and how the brain works. And in the interview, he gave so many interesting, um, uh, little nuggets of that brain science and how our, you know, oxytocin receptors. And I mean, and and it's not dry the way he's, he's wonderful, by the way. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you've ever talked to him. I have not yet. So I would love it. Stuart Schenker, if you're listening to this, (laughs) he's really wonderful. And um, he, yeah, he also was on my podcast and he's, he's definitely, I think a a favorite of, of no offense to any of the other wonderful guests I've had, but, (laughs) but what I love is that he can give us the confidence that this is backed by science. It's mm-hmm. not touchy feely like, oh, I just don't want to be mean to my kids or mm-hmm. I want to be a team or whatever. It's like actually like the the science of um of how the brain works. And he talks about the interbrain and oh my gosh. So that do you know what the interbrain is? Have you heard of that? I have, but if I had to word retrieval it right now with yeah, a definition. So the, one, the interbrain <laughs> is basically he, he talked about how humans are born prematurely, basically, like like seven to nine months premature because of our bodies, how we have to give birth. They can't be fully formed when, when they come out. And so the first seven to nine months, there's this interbrain, which is actually like your brain and your baby's brain joined together. What it made me think of was Avatar. You know, when, um, have you seen Avatar? It's been a long time and I didn't see the new you one. You didn't see the new oh. one? Okay. Well, I, we'll I know that one. that's a connection event coming soon with my oldest. Yeah. So <laughs> in Avatar, they like plug in their tails to mm-hmm. the mother, mm-hmm. you know, like the mother being or whatever. And then they experience like all this amazing stuff. But anyways, the intervene like really reminded me of that plugging in and that connection, right? And that, and, and he said to me, he said, do you know when the interbrain stops being active? And I was like, what? He said, never. 
never, it never stops being active. Like yours and my interbrain are like connected right now. And it's basically co-regulation, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, it's how co-regulation happens. Um, and so he talked about that. He talked about like the, you know, the science behind why you shouldn't punish a, a, a misbehaving child, quote, misbehaving child. And I just love that there's this person who has this whole, um, you know, center where they study all of this stuff and that the, this, the brain science and the nervous system science is just stacking up in the mm-hmm. favor of the work that you and I both do. Absolutely. And I think of that all the time. I always think we're making so much headway. And then I get a comment on Facebook, um, you know, that says, oh, you just should do these consequences or kids will never learn or this is what's wrong with the world. And this is why our jails are full. And I'm like, actually, have you ever looked at the research and science on jails and the people yeah. in jails? Because our many jails of them- are full because people don't listen to this. Yes, right. right. Because- there is a very clear suspension to jail, you know, suspension to prison pipeline. There is a very clear correlation between children who have had corporal punishment um, and who have had these like, um, you know, physical punishments and punitive damage and and or punitive uh you know, things happen to them and then they end up, right? Or when they remove the rewards <laughs> from mm-hmm. everything. So there's so much research behind it. I'm like, actually, this is not the reason why our society is going downhill. Um, and if you look, I think our society is actually going uphill in many, many ways. Um, and my the thing I'm holding on to is that Walmart had a sensory day for back to school. Aww, and I'm just holding great. on to that because to me, that means that it's becoming more widespread that even companies are starting to learn you it's really rare to go to a a airport now without having a sensory room it's really rare to go to a football stadium or a major league um, sporting event here in the United States without there being some sort of sensory room or calm room and so the fact that that exists it's kind of like how you go places and now a lot of places have rooms for breastfeeding mothers or family rooms we're just becoming way more aware as a society as this research spreads. And like you said, as that that train comes forward and more of us, again, come together, have that unity. It's not about us all saying, it's my way, it's my way, it's this way, it's that way. It's like, no, let's go to the science way. Like, there is so much science that backs this. And so I absolutely love that. That's one of my favorite things about summits is getting more and more of that science in a very accessible way. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Um, All right. So the next, the last thing is, um, you know, working together. And you talked about how peaceful parenting is a family team approach. You work together. Um, And so that empowerment piece is really big, is being able to work with our kids, not, not, you know, do things to them or say, you know, just today in one of my coaching groups, it said, I need help coming up with a visual schedule for my daughter around her crying. Um, She's crying at school and she's not using any of her strategies in the moment. She's forgetting to breathe or refusing to breathe. And she needs help because, you know, she says the lights are too bright. She doesn't want to do the work. She misses me. And she's just crying over every little thing. And my response was, I don't think you need a visual chart. Like, I don't think that's what's the problem here. I think that she needs 
someone to listen to her and she needs some changes to the environment Mm -hmm. so that she can be successful. And so she needs a plan that works, that meets her needs, not a plan that helps her fit in. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I know that you agree with so much of this and this is what, you know, Amanda talks about. And this is what so many of the people that you're talking with in the summit talk about is how to work with our kids and create a plan that meets their needs that works together with them. So what are some of the um, frameworks or uh, strategies that parents can use, or even if it's just a mindset around working with them, but how can they actually build plans with their kids? Mm -hmm. Well, when you were talking, I was thinking of the interview I did with Penny Williams about school avoidance and school refusal, which thank you for the introduction to Penny. Oh, no, wait, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you did. Yeah. Just talked to her Um, yesterday, actually. We were just chatting about that. So nice. Yeah. yeah. So so she really talked about that having to really listen to your kid um, Mm -hmm. in terms of like, and then coming up with strategies to help them. Um, And so, so instead of like a top down approach, Um, we're like really trusting kids and listening to kids that there's a problem for them. So I think that's really important, um, that we don't, we don't want to do that top down approach. We want to like work collaboratively But the the other thing. And this is almost, I don't know if this is almost like the opposite of what you're talking about, but my interview with Ned Johnson, do you know, Ned? Um, I don't know him. I know of him. I've sent him my book again, Ned, if you're listening to this, I would love (laughs) to chat with you and get to know you. I'll introduce you to Ned. fabulous human being. But Ned um, is one of the authors of the the Self-Driven Child. um, And he really talks so much about about autonomy, right? Mm -hmm. And about like trusting your kid that they, one of my favorite quotes from the book is um, you have to trust that your kid has a brain in their head and they want their life to work out, Mm -hmm. right? So I just love that so much. And just thinking about building a plan with kids, often it has to come from them, right? Mm -hmm. You know, actually Stuart Shanker talked about that too. He talked about in terms of like sensory stuff, how kids often know what they need to regulate. Mm -hmm. And often as adults, we don't let them do what they need to do to regulate. Mm -hmm. Um, Also interviewed um, Roberto Olivardio. So I got to get his name right. And he's an ADHD guy. And he talked also about the same thing about listening to your kids this is the theme that's coming up, mm-hmm. right? In terms of finding solutions is like listening to your kids and mm-hmm. what they need. We talked about that in ours too, in the limits and the boundaries and talking about um, how it's not you setting the limit and then saying, oh, you jumped on the couch, go to timeout, right? Mm-hmm. That's not what it is. It's, oh, I see you still need to jump. Where can we jump? Let's come up with a plan together, um, you know, or saying, you know what? I have this really messy couch over here. This couch is like my really nice couch and I'm worried it's going to break. Can we find a different couch that it has that same like bounce and fun, right? Um so but we did talk about that piece of because it is so a part of what I teach is you know, you can have the best strategies in the world, but if you just hand them to your kid, mm-hmm. And then they're not able to access them, or if they're mismatched with what their needs are, then they're not going to be able to use them. They're not going to be able to advocate for themselves. So I love that that's the theme that's coming up across the whole summit is just listen to our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm guessing there's some ways to do that if we listen to the different speakers. So, um, you know, this sounds like an amazing summit. I'm so excited. 
for all of our listeners to go to the summit. And I'm going to have you tell them where to go in just a minute. We're going to put that in the show notes as well. Um, But I'd love to ask this one question. Um, Lately, it's been one of my favorite ones. And you were part of an Expert Secrets series that we did when the book came out. And um, it's been one of my favorite questions now to ask. So if you were sitting face-to-face with a parent right now, and they're listening to this on the podcast, and they are that parent of a kid who has extra needs, who has complex medical needs, or who has complex behaviors, or you know has a trauma past, they're strong-willed, they're sensitive, and they are just, they've tried all the things and they're at their wit's end. What is the one thing? I mean, I know you've got the whole summit and they definitely need to go listen to that and check that out. Grab the past. This is my like secret tip and hack for everyone. When you have a summit, please, for the love of all things human, go buy the pass because that way you give yourself permission to listen to it over time and you don't have to try to fit it in on your already busy schedule, but then make a plan for, I'm going to listen to one video a day. Um, mm-hmm. after you buy the pass. So that's just my little hack for the pat for the summits. I do it with all the summits. So do um, I. Yeah. And then I love the summits and this is mine that have the audio only version mm. so that if you want to just listen um, while you're like, you know, doing dishes or walking the dog, you can do that. Um, So I love it when they have the podcast form and we're doing that for, for ours. That's fantastic. (laughs) That's fantastic. Okay. So back, back to the question, if you've got this mama or this dad in front of you, this caregiver, and they are just like, Oh, I've tried all the things I'm feeling really frustrated. What is the one thing that you think they need to hear right now? Be kind to yourself, Mm -hmm. be gentle with yourself. Don't be that you're don't beat yourself up. Like I honestly, Dana, I have never seen a parent improve in the way they that they want to improve and get where they want to go with without being kind to themselves. Mm-hmm. So many parents, like I said in the beginning, feel like they're a failure because their kid is hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do. I was just the the mom I was just coaching on the podcast just before this. She has a nine year old and a one year old, and she said she feels like. With her one-year-old, she's finally doing it right and like not making all the mistakes she made with her nine-year-old because he's a tough kid. And I was like, I I would put money on the fact that you could have done all of these things with your nine-year-old and he would still be a tough kid because he's wired differently, right? He's a he's a two-e kid, and um, you know, you can you can beat yourself up, but it won't help, and it will just make you unhappy, and it will just make you feel bad. It will make you more reactive. So my one thing that I would say is just be so kind and gentle with yourself. I have a phrase, if I could share it with your listeners, Dana, which is even though um, X, so even though um, my child is struggling, or even though um, I yelled at my kid 10 times today, I am still worthy and lovable, Mm. right? So even though whatever the thing is that you're struggling with, I am still worthy and lovable. And we have to be able to hold both of those things at the same time. And they don't cancel each other out. You know, babies are born with a sense that they deserve love and belonging. And it's only through life experience. I mean, hopefully they don't unlearn that, but we often unlearn that through our life experience Mm -hmm. that we have to be a certain way to be worthy of love and and belonging, right? Mm -hmm. So what I want to leave everyone with is no matter how hard you're struggling or no matter how hard things feel, you are at 100% still worthy and lovable. Those those things are not mutually exclusive. 
I love that so, so much. It is something that I preach all day and also still need to hear myself as I've been going through some back to school struggles myself here. So um, I really appreciate hearing that. It just like, I'm going to hold on to that for myself as well. Um, so where can, where can listeners go and learn more about the summit and where can they follow along to keep following you as well? So I'm going to give my, as I mentioned, we're in the middle of a, um, of a rebrand. And so I'm going to give my old website address just in case anything goes wrong with okay. the flip over of the website. So you can go to sarahrosensuite.com slash summit. Um, and hopefully reimaginepeacefulparenting.com slash summit will also be the same, the same link, but for safety's sake, sarahrosensuite.com slash summit. Awesome. And I'll put that in the show notes. So you can go to calmthechaospodcast.com, check out the show notes and all the links. They'll all be in there. Um, and I am just, I have loved this conversation, Sarah. Me I too. always love when we get a chance to chat. And um, I really loved how deep we got into some of this. I think it's going to help so many parents be able to see the nuances that maybe they're not able to see when they're going through it. And they're in the thick of it. And they, they want to say, well, this doesn't work. That doesn't work. Um, but it's more about those tiny iterations. And I think we kind of touched on a lot of that today. So if you're listening to this, definitely go check out Sarah's summit. Um, it is, it, it, I've seen all of the speakers she's got. They're amazing. She has pulled together some great topics and you're sure to have some takeaways. Give yourself grace, allow yourself to find that one nugget that's going to help you uh, tweak what you're currently doing. And remember, you are worthy. And I always say this, I always um, end our podcast with this because I think it's important for you to hear it, is that no matter what's going on, no matter how challenging of a day you had today, no matter what you're going through, you are not failing. You are exactly the parent that your child needs. And no matter how challenging your kid has been today, they are not broken. They do not need to be fixed. They are exactly the kid that they are designed to be. And together, you two have got this. So I will talk to all of you next week on the podcast. And until then, if you haven't done so, go ahead and leave a review. We love reviews on the podcast. Give us that five-star review. Tell us what you're loving. Tell us what is standing out to you um, because it means the world to us to hear from you. And I will talk to you on the next podcast. Bye guys. Oh, and before I go, one quick note for all of you who are enjoying the podcast. My new book is officially live and I know you're going to love it. So just a quick reminder, you can go get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com. And if you do, you'll get some cool bonuses as well. Once again, get your copy at calmthechaosbook.com and I'll see you next week.